Lord, we thank you for this morning, this time of worship, this time to be with you. And as we are with you, God, we ask that you continue to speak to us and minister to our hearts, Lord. And as we open your word, God, that you would use your word, God, to transform us, to help us to understand, Lord, who who we are and what we're supposed to do as we live on this earth. And so, God, I ask for your spirit's anointing that you would move, God, that you would uh, fill us with your spirit even right now, God. And so I ask this, praying in Jesus' name. And everyone said, During the Korean War, some U.S. soldiers stationed there hired a local Korean teenager to cook and clean for them. But they mistreated and ridiculed this houseboy by playing practical jokes on him. They did things like smear Vaseline on the stove handles. So when he, got, when he went to cook, he got grease all over his fingers. They set up a water bucket over the door so that he'd get fully drenched when he opened it. One time during the night, they even nailed his shoes to the floor. Day after day, the boy took the brunt of the abuse without saying one word. So the men began to feel really guilty seeing that he still worked hard and he still seemed to hold this good attitude toward them. So they finally sat down. They sat down with him, apologized, and promised not to do that anymore. Well, this was too good to be true for the boy. So in broken English, the boy said, No more sticky on stove? No, the soldiers replied. No more water on top door? Nope, no more, said the men. No more nail shoes on floor? No more, they promised. While with a smile on his face, the houseboy said, Okay then, no more spit in soup. (laughs) Well, this boy might have looked like a good worker, but underneath was not really a good attitude, right? (laughs) A while back, I... I came across this um, Harvard study a while back that reported that 85% of applicants who were hired, they were hired because of a good attitude. It seems like attitude is more important than skill. Well, as we continue our study in the book of 1 Peter, we see God desires believers to not just be a good worker, but also work with submission and respect, with an attitude of respect. We should be the good worker that works well. And that's the title of our message this morning, The Good Worker That Works Well. We're going to be studying 1 Peter chapter 2 from verse 18 through 21 this morning. We're picking it up at verse 18. We've been making our way through this book verse by verse. And now we're in verse 18, and we're going to go through verse 21 of 1 Peter chapter 2. The good worker that works well. Now, in our passage, we're going to see three things. And this is really the main things we're going to see. Number one is the directive. Number two, the incentive. And number three, the objective. So that's our outline also. The directive, the incentive, and the objective. I did a TIV kind of thing here. So number one, the directive. The directive. We're going to be covering verse 18 in this section. And so just this verse 
verse for the directive. So take a look with me here now, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. So we'll stop right there. Now, as we come into this passage, we begin with Peter writing to servants. Now, now who is he talking to? Well, really, slaves, servants. That's what he's talking about. Back then in the society, in the, the Roman Empire, the workplace was actually made up of slaves or servants. Peter write, writes in this time of the Roman uh, Empire, and Rome had conquered many nations up until this point. And many of the people of those nations became the slaves. They went into slavery when Rome came in. You know, they say that back then there was 60 million slaves. They said the ratio was one to three, uh, uh, three slaves to, to one free person. Out in the country is even worse. It's like one to five. So what we see is, is that the main group of people in the society were servants, were, were slaves. Servants were then the main body of the workforce in ancient Rome. So keep that in mind in the background as we're studying this passage. So Peter says here in verse 18, servants or slaves, be subject to your masters. The servants are to be subject. Now, this is the same word that we saw in verse 13 that we saw last time. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. And last time we talked about that, didn't we? About how we are to be submitted to the government. Well, here's the same idea, except to your masters. The word subject means to place yourself under, to line up behind. It's actually a military term, just like in what we saw in verse 13. It means to submit. And who are you to submit to? Well, Peter writes here, to your master. Now that speaks of like the homeowner or the estate owner where these servants worked. And, and many of their jobs, of course, you can imagine cooking and cleaning, but they were, they were out in the field plowing, but they were also like carpenters. They're, even uh, servants or slaves back then had like professional jobs like lawyers or even doctors as we know in our study on Wednesday night in the book of Luke that we did that Luke was actually a doctor and he was he was actually a servant too possibly been freed from his master so as we get into this passage as we get into this verse where Peter says servants be subject to your masters in today's terms Peter is saying submit to your employer that's what he's really talking about. This was the workplace. They were the employees, the servants, and their master was the employer. So the directive now from God is to submit to your boss. That's the directive. This is, this is what God is telling us to do in his word. Servants, or say employees, right, submit to your boss, your employer. The directive from God is to submit to your boss. You know, I was thinking about that word submit. A lot of times, that's hard for us. Submit, what? Especially in our society today, and I, I, and I mentioned this last week too when we were even talking about submitting to the government, but think about our society we live in today. You know, the most important thing I would say is not so much like principle. 
like biblical morals or things like that. I'm, we know, and I've been talking about, because we're in the last days, that's being flipped over, right? Uh, good is called evil, and evil is called good, like Isaiah talks about. In our society, it's not so much principle, but you know what's important in our society? Personal rights. Yeah, that seems to be the huge thing. Yeah? Uh, a push, women's rights, children's rights, right? Uh, 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 employee rights. Now, uh, not, not that I'm, uh, I am all for better work environments. Nothing's wrong with that. Nothing's wrong with trying to change that within the law and within the opportunities that we have. And like we talked about last week, there's nothing wrong, you know, with, with, with within the law, like um, voting or, or, you know, doing things within the law. But it seems like we've, as a society, gone into such push for our personal rights that when you don't get what you want, what happens? Oh, you're mad. You, you get rebellious, right? You, 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 you start an insurrection, right? You start slandering your boss. Say at a company, you're tearing down a boss. You're tearing down the company. You become hostile. Your, your voice gets more louder, and even we've seen it turns to violence. And some of many of the shootings we've seen in, in past years was because of a disgruntled employee, right? And, and we feel like getting into that hostility is justified because I get my right. I get my personal right. And that's our society now. Sadly, though, Christians are conditioned by society, and we get caught up with that same bad attitude. And you know what? We bring it into our workplace. We bring that disrespect. We bring that kind of, kind of, well, if I don't get my way, if I don't get what I want, then, then you're, you're violating my rights. You know what I say? I say, what about God's rights? Yeah. What about his right? What about his right to your life? Yeah. Doesn't he have a say because, well, as a believer, he saved us? He bought us, right, with a price? We belong to him. What about God's rights? And that's what I want to bring to your mind here. As Peter writes, the directive from God is to submit to your boss. This isn't Peter. This is the Lord talking. And he's saying, hey, submit. Submit to your boss. Don't carry this kind of attitude like the world does. The good worker that works well will submit. Notice Peter expands on this. If you look at verse 18 again, servants be subject to your masters with what? All respect. You know what? It means to honor your employee totally. Yeah. To, 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 to do what you're asked to do. And to do it well. So the directive is to submit with total respect. With all respect. Respecting him totally. Doing what is asked. And that's what I mean with the title. The good worker that works well. The word well is with your attitude of respect. That's what I'm talking about. Right? You can be a good worker, but have a bad attitude about it. But if you want to have a good attitude, then you do it with all respect. You know, a friend shared how um, there was someone in his church, a pastor friend, that um, <clears throat> uh, he had heard from someone that how 
this one employer doesn't like to hire Christians. You know why? Because they're the worst workers in the world. They come in lazy, uh, late, and, and, and one time the, the boss, the employer, found the worker, and I quote, in the John reading the book of John. <laughs> but you're not paid to read the Bible. You're paid to work. And if you respect your boss, you will do what he asks you to do. You will do your job. You've got to respect your employer. You've got to work, not just uh, get by because I'm, I'm just doing this for the pay, paycheck, not just with some sour attitude, but you know what? Happily, you know why? Because God asked you to. Because God said, hey, submit to your boss with all respect. That's the directive. It's a divine directive, matter of fact, from the Lord. Then if you look at verse 18, then Peter says, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. So Peter kind of really gets into this here. He says, submit with all respect now, no matter what kind of boss you have, no matter what your employer's like, even if he's, uh, if he's good and gentle, the word gentle really expands into meaning like a boss who's reasonable, who's, who's fair, who's, who, who, you know, it, 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 you can work with the guy. Yeah. So, of course, that's easy to do. But, Peter adds, but also to the unjust. Unjust really speaks of a boss who's unfair, who's harsh, who's abusive, who, who's hard to deal with. You guys have bosses like that? You know, I'm sure we've all experienced that. Somebody who you think, oh, they shouldn't be there. Just the way they treat you. So, God here speaking. God is, is, is saying, give respect, not only when you work for a good boss, but God is saying, submit with all respect, even if your boss is hard and unfair. So look at the directive. The directive to submit is whether the boss is good or bad. This directive to submit with all respect is whether the boss is good or bad. Now, let's pause for a moment. Why is this so important? Why do you think Peter's writing this here? Why, why, why is this so important that we obey this directive? We obey what God is asking us to do, to submit with all respect, even if the boss is good or bad. Well, because of the context of where this passage sits. Remember, the flow of the passage is about living a life that reflects a transformed life in Jesus Christ. That's what we've been talking about, right? Way back in, in verse 11, remember? We're, we're, we're not citizens of this world. We're foreigners, and we're, we're to live, right, in a way that we would conduct ourselves. In verse 12, he's saying, keep your conduct among Gentiles honorable, right? So we are to be a witness in the way we, in the way we live. Back in verse 11, 12, a couple weeks ago, the title of our message is The Difference That Makes a Difference. Last week was honor the government and for it honors God. Well, now Peter's flowing into the workplace now. Do you see how the, this is just 
coming into the areas in our life. And so he's saying your submission and that attitude of respect sets your testimony. It sets your testimony. Remember, it's not what you say, but how you live that speaks louder than your words. I heard about a Hindu woman who came to Jesus through the efforts of the missionaries. But the husband heavily persecuted her, mistreated her because of what she did. She received Jesus Christ and became a Christian. And that was expected of that culture. One day, one of the missionaries asked, when your husband treats you so badly, what do you do? What, what do you do in those situations? Well, the woman replied, well, when I cook his food, I cook it better. She doesn't spit in the soup. When he complains, I sweep the floor cleaner. When he speaks harshly, I respond with kindness. And then she said this, I tried to show him when I became a Christian, I became a better wife and a better mother. And guess what? Soon after, the husband gave his life to Jesus too. Isn't that great? We see it it wasn't easy for the husband to hear the preaching of the missionaries. But he could not withstand the preaching of the godly life of this woman. It's hard when you're mistreated. It's hard when, when, when you feel like, wait, wait, this is unfair. I don't deserve this. Why are they, why are they doing this? All I did was good. All I did was work hard. It's hard. How have you been reacting lately? To unfair treatment. Maybe a bypass for, your, for that raise yeah, or promotion. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you've been given all the junk jobs. You know. Why me? Yeah. Maybe you've been taken advantage of and you feel like, I don't get paid enough to do this. And it seems so unfair. Even to the point you're like, you know what, I've had enough. I'm going to quit. And maybe you, maybe, maybe you should. Maybe, maybe that's what God is wanting you to do. But I say pray about it. Follow the Lord. Follow God in what He wants you to do. You know why? Because perhaps this is actually a divine opportunity to show what you're really made of. That you're a Christian, that you live a transformed life because what you believe in Jesus can transform lives. And you're showing it, that even under that, you're going to shine Jesus. I know many times our flesh monster comes out, that's what I call it, (laughs) our sinful flesh. And we get all upset and emotions overwhelm us and it's that monster comes out. That's our old person, right? We don't want to be that. We want to bring out who we are in Christ now. What's the testimony that you're putting out there when you are treated unfair at work? Well, God is calling us to be the good worker that works well. This is the directive, the directive. Let's go to number two, the incentive. The incentive. Now, we're going to cover verse 
19 and 20 here. Verse 19 and 20 for this next part. Look at verse 19. For, it is, for this is a gracious thing. When, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. And we'll stop there. Now, Peter gets into really the, the core reason to submit with all respect, even to the bad boss, especially, you know, to the bad boss, we should say, the good or bad boss. And so he says, for this, that's that submitting with all respect, it's a gracious thing. Now, what does he mean there? The, the, the original language here, the gracious thing, it, it really is coming into this meaning. It's an act that causes joy. It, it, it shows love. It, 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 it causes the person receiving to be thankful in gratitude. Let me give to you what the NLT translates. And many times I like to give you that because it's more in our modern day English. And the NLT translates this, for God is pleased. Isn't that good? So when Peter writes here in verse 19, for this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, well, what, 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 what he's saying is that, you know, when you live this way, when you work this way in submission with all respect, even with the bad boss, he's saying it pleases God. It blesses him. It brings him joy. It shows your love. He's grateful to you for, for going through this. For who? Being mindful of God. When we're being mindful, when we submit with God in mind, that he, this is the directive, and so I want to do what God wants. And so that's the incentive here, when you, for, uh, do this, it's a gracious thing when you're mindful of God. And then he says in verse 19, when one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. So there it is. That's what we've been talking about. When you have a bad boss. And can, can you imagine, can you imagine if these Roman slaves who get whipped, yeah, for whatever reason, or, or maybe for unfairly, or, or they work long hours, or, and many, many times they didn't get much food, and they were treated harshly. But Peter's saying, look, it, it blesses God. It's a gracious thing to him. You're, you're blessing the Lord. So the incentive to submit when you suffer is it pleases God when you endure. The incentive to submit when you suffer is it pleases God when you endure. I like to think about it this way. God is blessed when you hang on. No matter the treatment, no matter how, how you're treated, you keep being faithful to what has been asked of you. And you keep submitting because God asked you to do. And you know what? That very fact that you obey God and you trust so, uh, 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 respect, it shows that you trust God. You trust God's sovereignty, that 
well, God, you call me to this place, and this is my workplace, and I'm going to this, but God, I'm going to trust you that there's a reason for all of this. And, to, and God is pleased when you submit with a quiet spirit, with, with a patient heart, where you stay loyal to what you are to do in your duty before the Lord. And that, and, and also that your concern is to be the best employee you can be. Why? Just we, because of the reason we just talked about, to shine the light of Jesus Christ. Peter expands in verse 20, for what credit is it? For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? Now he's saying there's no credit to one who suffers the consequences of doing wrong, doing a bad job. I mean, that's what he deserved. God's not like going to give you credit for that. that. That's not what God is into. But, verse 20, if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. God is pleased with that. That's where the credit. When you do good and suffer unjustly, and you endure it by, what does that mean? You still respectfully submit. That's that gracious thing. That's what blesses God. Credit goes to the one who submitted, even treated badly. That's what gets noticed by the Lord. That's what touches his heart. Your enduring patience, the light that you're shining there. See, your conduct matters in these situations. For you know why? God might just use that to bring someone to Jesus Christ. So the incentive to submit when suffering is how you work matters to God. The incentive is how you work matters to God. It matters. Turn over to the left to Colossians chapter 3. I like to keep this in mind. Colossians chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 23. I want you to see this with your own eyes. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Just go to the left a little while, a little bit. If you get lost, um, you know, the epistles are, are Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And I always remember it because it's go eat popcorn. Yeah, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And I like popcorn, so easy to remember. So Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, it says... Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Isn't that great? This is our attitude. This is our mindset. We're really working for the Lord. We're working as old King James unto the Lord, right? We are to put our whole heart and soul into, this is for you, God. Yeah, I have this boss. Yeah, it's hard, but... Lord, I'm going to do what you say because I'm working for you. I'm going to do a good job because I'm really working for you. I'm going to do my best even when the boss isn't looking, right? Because God is always looking. I'm going to work for you, Lord, not for men. I read about this retired man who came to this construction site every day to watch this addition being built for the shopping center. Every day he came and he, he, he began to be really impressed by this, this worker and doing just a great job operating this large piece of equipment. When the project was almost 
the retired man came up to that worker running this equipment and shared with him how much he enjoyed watching him. It was just so great, his skill and how good a work he did. Well, that workman turned to him and said, you mean you're not the supervisor? (laughs) I guess that's why he was working so well. Work as if God is watching your work. Work and carry that attitude as if God is your boss, right? We, we wouldn't disrespect our Lord if he was right there. Keep that in mind. Plus, keep this in mind. And this connects back to a few weeks ago when we were looking at verse 11 and 12. Remember, we are not citizens yeah, of this world. We're citizens of heaven. We're foreigners just passing through yeah, to our destination in heaven. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. If you missed it, catch the podcast or, or see our YouTube channel. But as foreigners just passing through, we can endure because this isn't everything. Yeah? We can get by because this isn't all that, that we're going to receive. So don't make this job and what you, you're right or what you have to have. Don't make this everything. Don't lose your testimony for that which will perish anyway. Yeah. Our reward is in heaven. Everything's there. This isn't everything. You know what's everything? Living your life for God. Obeying Him. We are to live on a different level, aren't we? This new life. We are to be that good worker that works well. All right, back to First Peter. We've seen the directive, the incentive, and now number three, our last heading here is the objective. The object, objective. And this is verse 21, our last verse for this morning. It says here, Peter writes, For to this you have been called, Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So Peter writes, for this, what's that? Well, submitting with all respect, even suffering under the unjust boss. You know what? He says that you have been called. Now, this is amazing. You've been called to this. Called to what? Called called to what? To patiently endure and suffer when you're treated badly, when you don't deserve that? Then LT says to do good even if it means suffering. We've been called to a life like that, to to endure the suffering, to, to be treated unjustly, and to live a life that will shine Jesus Christ. If you look up at uh, verse 9, look over, if you remember verse 9, it says there that um, you, have, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We've been called out of the darkness into the light to be saved. We've been called out of the dark world and to live a light, live a life that shines the light in that dark world. So we've been called to this. Think about it this way. 
When does the light shine the brightest? You ever go outside and try and look at the stars? Yeah. You ever, you know, where do you go? You go to the darkest place, yeah, where there's no street light, yeah. Maybe that's where you live. There's no street light. So when you go outside, whoo, they're, they're bright, yeah. Well, when does the light shine the brightest? In the dark times of suffering. When you've been treated unfairly, when you've been unjustly taken advantage of, it's here when the light shines the brightest when you suffer injustice at work. So here's Peter. He's saying the objective is to fill that call to shine Jesus. The objective is to fulfill the call to shine Jesus. This is really important, you guys. Our, our mission, isn't it, to share Jesus? Every one of us is called to that, the great commission, right? What Jesus told the disciples at the end of the gospel, or Matthew or Luke, you can read it. It's to go out, make disciples, to share Jesus, that people would be saved from a, 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 a eternal hell, that they could be in heaven, become a new person, and have a relationship with God like we have. This is our mission. Guess what? Your mission place is your work place. That's what Peter's talking about. You might think, well, I'm not a missionary. I don't, I, don't, I, I don't go to a foreign country. But, you know, as soon as you go out these doors, you're on the mission field. We are to be a witness for Christ in our daily living. And most of our, I mean, other, other than sleeping, right? Most of our other time is what? Work. At work. And so that's your mission field, your workplace. Let me put something else out to you. We know the world is a battleground. And I'm not talking about North Korea and South Korea. That's crazy, yeah, in the news. They're, they're like escalating, yeah, testing their missiles and everything, flybys and all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Ephesians 6 that says, our battle's not against flesh and blood, but Satan and his demonic principalities, his forces, his, his demons, his armies, Satan's agenda out there in the world. That's the battle that's going on. It's a spiritual battle. So there's this constant conflict between God's people and the attacks of Satan. And you know what? One of his favorite weapons is to devastate the work of God. It's to stop the gospel. It's to cripple the message. It's to, in in this way, it's to highlight the failures of his believers, of God's believers. Because if he can point to believers and their failures and how, oh, they're just, they're just, they're not godly or they're they're just as bad as us or they're even worse. And if if he highlights that, if he whispers in the ears of unbelievers and say, see, Jesus is not real. See, it's just, just another wacky religion. And then the church's credibility goes down. The integrity of believers goes down. The believability is destroyed. That's what Satan wants to do. The battlefield is the world. And he, he accomplishes it, 
You know, when we fail to endure patiently, when we're treated unjustly and unfairly, and then the light doesn't shine, right? The flesh monster comes out. We're, we're no different than anybody else. We, we may name the name of Jesus, but does it really carry any weight? Listen, the world is watching you at your workplace. And guess what? That's the stage of this battle that's going on. That's the arena. And so the world is watching to see if you're really real. Or are you just like them? So let me tell you. Make it real. The, the objective here is, is to fulfill the call to shine Jesus. So make it real. Make it believable. And how you submit with all respect, no matter how you're treated. And then the last thing he says here in verse 21 is, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Peter's like, look to Christ as an example. The word example means like pattern. Copy that. It, it, it's like teaching children, you know, like, like how to write cursive. Do, do they still write cursive today? <laughs> you know, with the lines, yeah? That, that's the idea. Follow in that footsteps. Follow his example as how Jesus suffered for you. Now, we're going to get more into this next time. This verse kind of overlaps into our next week's message, and we're going to back up a little bit next week and talk about this more. But no, when Jesus suffered for your salvation, he endured what? Quietly, yeah? Patiently. So Peter's like, so endure the suffering for the sake of those co-workers, for the boss, for the world is watching so they might be saved, because that's what Jesus did. Follow in his steps. This is how Jesus handled the suffering of injustice. This is, this is how Jesus shined the light of the gospel. How he showed love, how he showed grace, how he endured, right? For our sake, for the salvation of our souls. We are to follow in his steps. Handle it the same way. You know, there's an old book um, uh, the last name was Sheldon, I think it was. But he, it was called In His Steps. It was based on, on this verse. And, and, it, and it was about this town who wasn't really strong in the Lord. And then uh, one person started to, to, was touched by the Lord, if I remember it right. Uh, they, they started to think, and, it, and this just spread like fire in the town. And the town changed when they started to ask, well, what would Jesus do? That's where we get that WWJD bracelets and, you know, T-shirts and things like that. It was really from this book. So the town began to first ask, well, what would Jesus do? And they start to, started to choose and uh, uh, God, make godly choices and follow biblical principles. And it changed the whole town. And a lot of times we say, yeah, I'm going to follow in Christ's steps. I'm going to follow his footsteps. But think about what, in context, what Peter is talking about. You know what he's talking about? The context is suffering. Following his steps and suffer for the gospel. The objective is to follow the example of Jesus here. The objective is to follow the example of Jesus. It was in the suffering 
that really showed who Jesus really was. And we can shine that same light when we endure at work the, the unjust treatment, but we still submit with all respect when we work well with that attitude. And you can shine the light in the darkness. Long ago, when Robert Louis Stevenson was a boy, he wrote a bunch of books like Treasure Island and stuff. He would look out the window, he wrote one day, and at dusk, he was watching the lamplighter light the street lamp. So back then, no electricity, you know, they, they actually go and light the lamps. Well, when his mother came into the room, she asked what, was, you know, asked what he was doing. Robert Louis Stevenson replied, I'm watching a man punch holes in the darkness. I love that. I want to be punching holes in the darkness of this world. I want to punch holes with the light of my transformed life to show the world there's hope in Jesus Christ. There's salvation. That we don't have to be in bondage to our flesh monster anymore. But we can be forgiven. The guilt can be lifted from our shoulders and we can be saved. And let me tell you, you can punch holes in the darkness. Because when you follow in the footsteps of Jesus, it is possible to affect the people around you. And even your boss. And maybe especially your unsaved boss. I'll close with this. I heard about this um, young soldier at boot camp who was not the strongest man, you know, he was more like the weakest in, in the bunch of cadets. And so because of that, and he couldn't accomplish everything too well, he was really pointed out, treated badly, badly abused by the drill sergeant. On one occasion, the trainee failed to perform a certain task, and he just lay there on the ground, just totally exhausted, couldn't get up. The sergeant, who had been so hard on him, came up, and actually bashed his body by kicking him in frustration. The young recruit was in so much pain he had to be carried back to his bunk. The next morning when Reveille blew and the soldiers got up, the sergeant woke up to find his boots shine and polished to perfection. He asked around, who shined my boots? And then it was told it was this same young man who had pained who he had painfully kicked the day before. So the sergeant went up to the young man and asked, how in the world could you do that after what I did to you yesterday? The young soldier said, because Jesus has given me a love for you. And he went on to share his testimony. And so after finding those boots shine, listening to the young recruit, the sergeant gave his life to Jesus Christ. I think that's a great picture of the good worker that works well. Let's pray. Lord, as we close, Lord, this message, and as we look to communion, God, we want to live our life for you because you gave your life for us. God, it's hard out in the workforce. There's people in the world that don't treat you well. Co-workers that are hard to work with. Bosses that 
are hard to deal with. But Lord, we must remember and remind us that if they don't have Christ, they're just living out all they know in their bondage to their sin. God, help us to have compassion on those around us at work, that though they may mistreat us, and though we may be made to feel alone, you're there, God. And you've called us, Lord, to a mission to suffer and endure this so that we may shine a light and that people might get saved. God, bring us back to that focus, that goal, that aim, Lord, that our life is about sharing you, Jesus. Not just what we speak, but how we live. Lord, forgive us for becoming a flesh monster, for losing sight of our purpose, of what your directive is. Lord, help us to stick to that objective of bringing people to you, Jesus. In those times of trial and suffering, when it seems so dark, when we're overwhelmed, God, But thank you, you're there to strengthen us so we can shine your light. So forgive us, God, for our conduct and our actions. And help us today, Lord, to lay those things before you at the cross, to be forgiven and cleansed, to be renewed and refreshed, and then strengthened by your Holy Spirit to live out who we are now as new creations in you. So, Lord, here we are. Help us now, in Jesus' name, amen.